Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. <laughs> I, uh, okay, I'm smiling so big right now, but I don't know why. I, I just recorded an episode of this show and then decided almost like more than halfway through that I'm not resonating with what I'm saying right now, which really rarely happens. Normally I sit down, I hit the record button on my little recorder and I just talk and then that's the show. And I, I, I felt, I don't know, I feel like there's something else wanting to come through for this episode. So I am starting over. Hi. <laughs> I uh, want to just oh, share from the heart right away. I am so thankful for you. If you listened to last week's episode of this show, it was my all-time least favorite episode I've ever recorded. I almost didn't release it. I really, 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 really didn't like it. I was in the midst of the worst anxiety. I mean, the worst wave of anxiety I've had in a long time. It had been almost two solid weeks of just anxiety all day, every day. And I really didn't want to release an episode of the show, another episode of the show talking about anxiety. I didn't want to release a show, me being negative, because it felt like I was being really negative and a bummer. And um, I tried so hard to like make it better and feel better so I could sit down and record an inspiring show, but it didn't happen. So I just shared from the heart where I was moving through all these really horrible feelings, feeling like I didn't matter, feeling like I was super small and insignificant, feeling like the end of the world was looming. You know, I really had that feeling of almost like near death panic all the time. And I just sat down and I spoke. And then as I finished, I, I still felt really terrible about the show. I didn't want to release it. And I kept thinking like, maybe I'll feel better tomorrow and then I'll re-record and I'll share something really great. <laughs> you know, and then it was something about like, you know, sitting down and starting this show 
talking from the heart, it is similar to therapy. And I've shared that before that a lot of these episodes for me are like therapy. It's just speaking from the heart. It's getting things off my chest. And that show, it did shift something for me, especially at the end of the show, I realized I just need a hug, you know, and I went and I asked my husband for a hug and I spoke to my friends. And then a little bit after that, I had an actual therapy session, not with you, but with (laughs) my actual therapist who I see every Thursday. And then all of a sudden, something shifted a little bit. It took some time, but it shifted. I started feeling a little bit lighter. I felt less like it's the end of the world. And then the moment I felt a little better, I thought to myself, oh my God, let me re-record. Let me, let me, let me delete that anxiety episode and do a motivational show about how I feel right now and how I overcame this anxiety. And I sat down and I was like, wait, you know what? <laughs> the name, the actual name of this podcast is From the Heart. Right? And I shared a whole hour podcast speaking from the heart in this anxious place. And that's the episode, you know, that's it. So just release it. And then I still thought to myself, I'm not going to promote it because I don't really want anyone to listen to it. It is what it is now. And let's just like roll with it. And then, of course, you know, so many of you, I got this overwhelming response from so many of you who listened and related and didn't feel like it was a bummer of a show, but felt seen and felt heard and felt like like it was relatable like there was someone out there feeling similar things to you and so you know I got so many beautiful comments and direct messages and emails from people just thanking me for releasing what I felt was the worst podcast episode of all time so I want to thank you for listening and for seeing me and listening and just holding space for me to to move through these hard emotions. And somehow it's like (laughs) you see me and then you feel seen, right? Like I feel seen by you. And then somehow we relate in this, in this strange virtual world of feeling similar things at different times of our lives and going through completely different things and different life scenarios and destinies. And, and somehow we all relate. Somehow we're not alone. And I really love that. I love that. I love that. So from my heart, just thank you. And it's funny how last week I decided, okay, I'm not going to re-record. That was great. And then I sat down today and I actually feel pretty, pretty okay right now. And I, I spoke for half an hour and then I just felt like something wasn't in alignment there. So I'm here now. <sighs> I think we should take a moment to ground together here now in this version moments, breath of our lives, just to sink and get back to that place of our hearts beating together the way our hearts always are. It's just that it's easy to remember when we can't see each other, right? When we're not face to face, heart to heart, tangibly connecting in the same room. Sometimes it's it's easy to forget that actually we're in this together that actually we're here at the same time on this earth and this version of earth and this version of reality. We're here breathing this breath together for a reason. So wherever that takes you, you know, if you want to soften your eyes closed or keep your eyes open, you can choose. And Maybe it feels good or it would feel good to connect with your body a little bit right now. And if it does... 
hands to heart or hands to belly or hands to hand, such as connecting your hands together in your lap or at your chest. And if you want, you can give yourself a hug, you know, wrap your arms around yourself. I had someone wrote me from last week. I ended last week's show saying I really needed a hug and that it was like a a little reminder for them to hug themselves. It is a good thing to remember that we don't need other people to give us that hug, although it's very helpful and we should ask for hugs from our loved ones more often. But even when we're alone or we feel like we're alone, we can hug ourselves, right? We can hold ourselves. We can parent ourselves. We can love ourselves. We have so much to offer ourselves. And if that resonates and you want to wrap your arms around yourself right now and just give yourself a little squeeze, go ahead and do that. And just breathe with yourself for a little while. And knowing that as you're sitting here, hugging yourself, breathing with yourself, there are thousands and thousands of people doing the same thing today. Just wild and beautiful. Two million listens to this show every month. So the chances that in the same exact moment as you're hugging yourself right now, there are other people listening to these words, taking that breath, giving themselves that hug. The likelihood of that happening now, like right now, as in now you're listening to these words, the likelihood of other people doing the same thing is really, really high. So wherever you are in the world, just trusting that as you're sitting here, here now, other people are in their corners of the world feeling similar things, looking and longing for that same connection with themselves and longing for a connection with you. And that made me smile because it's such a wonderful, wonderful idea to entertain a little bit. That the same way you are longing for community, because I know you are. I know you are. I am. That's how I know you are. Longing for community, longing for friendship, for connection, for a group of people that feel like home. The same way you are longing for that, there are people out there longing for you. Just sit with that a little bit. There are people out there in this world longing for you, wanting community with you. And it's funny even how we need each other so bad. And we think we're all alone in needing other people. We think that everyone else has everything figured out and they have their friends and their families and I'm the one who's here all alone, you know, feeling like I'm really looking for my my people. But it's not true. Everyone is looking for everyone. We're all looking for each other. So take a moment right now and just hold in your heart the truth that there is a person or several people out there in the world right now missing you, even though you've never met, longing for you, 
wanting community and connection in the same way that you want community and connection. And we're all out here looking for each other. Maybe this is a good step right now just to breathe this breath, to feel this energy in our hearts, hugging ourselves. Hmm. felt really good to give myself a hug just now. If you want to linger just like this, eyes closed, arms wrapped around yourself, just stay the way you are. And if you did have your eyes closed and you feel ready to blink them open, let's take a deep breath, inhale. Open your mouth and let go, exhale. (sighs) Opening the eyes. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Now I know why I re-recorded this show today, just now. Because we really needed that, that little practice together. (laughs) that's it that's that's what wanted to come through like that's it (laughs) community I am longing for community I'm thinking about it every day now that that anxiety lifted a bit and it lifted but I mean I know she can come back at any moment I know that, but that heavy, heavy feeling I've had for weeks where just anxiety is the only thing I've felt. It's like I haven't been able to think clearly, to actually be present in my life when anxiety is that bad. It's like anxiety shows up in that heavy, heavy, heavy way, and I can't see life for what it is anymore. Everything just feels and looks and tastes and smells and all the senses just tell me everything is bad everything just feels bad. And there's that that sense of panic looming all the time. So I lose the ability to see the beauty of my life, you know, when anxiety shows up in that big way. And now that it lifted, and I don't know why it lifted. You know, this is also one of those things where like, are the things I'm using to resource myself, is it working? 
right? Like spending an hour talking to you, talking through my feelings, asking my husband for that hug, cuddling with my daughter and my dog, going for a walk, going for a run, practicing my yoga, drinking my tea, talking to my therapist, journaling, all the things I do, right? Because I wonder sometimes, is it working? And that's why anxiety left? Or would anxiety just have shown up in that same way regardless? And when it was time for anxiety to leave, anxiety left. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I wish I knew. What I do know is that those things that I do to resource myself, to remind myself of the fact that actually I'm here, right? It brings me back to my body enough to not spiral out of control, right? It, it's almost like it tethers me to the ground, tethers me to myself enough to not lose the will to live altogether, which is like in the depth, in the thick of it, I just, I, 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 I lose all joy, right? All spark, all light, it just goes out the window. And when I stay anchored in these things, right, that bring me back home to me just a little bit, the yoga, the tea, the journaling, the shaking, the dancing, like all the things that I try and that I do, it holds me here. And maybe that's all we need to do, right? And those really heavy, really hard, really big, big, big moments when we feel like nothing's making sense anymore and everything is horrible, maybe we just need to keep ourselves tethered to the earth in any way possible. And that's what those practices do for us. They don't transform the anxiety to something else. They don't, all of a sudden, it's like waving a magic wand and anxiety goes away. But it just keeps us in our bodies enough to last until it's time for anxiety to go. <laughs> that's my grand epiphany, okay? If you were waiting for some, like, oh, you know, Rachel had two weeks of crazy anxiety. This next week's show is going to be this massive realization or God spoke through her to tell us what to do next time we're anxious. I don't have that. <laughs> I wish I did. I would, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be the best thing ever if every time we went through a hard time, we came out of it with some grand awakening? Like, I would love for that to be true, but it just isn't true. I don't have that big, big, big answer. What I do know is that everything we've picked up along the way, right? All the tools that we have, we need them. <laughs> we really, really, really need them. Like, that's the one big big thing because I last two weeks I could have spiraled out into oblivion drinking wine every day right like completely checking out not talking about my feelings not practicing any yoga not drinking any tea not meditating not journaling skipping my therapist like if I I, I could have done a lot of things differently in that really anxious place right and I can sense it even like the bad things like there are two things for me where two, two bad things, if I can call them that, that happen automatically when I feel really, really anxious is one, I want to drink a lot of wine and two, I want to eat a lot of shit. <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone with this, but I can really sense this drastic shift and all of a sudden it's way harder for me to eat healthily, right? It's, it's way harder for me to take care of my body. And thankfully, this wasn't the case a couple of years ago, but when I feel this overwhelming anxiety and it's like, I need a glass of wine. If I don't get a glass of wine, I'm going to die. That's when I don't drink the wine. <laughs> thankfully, like, and it took, took a lot of practice for me to get there. I had a lot of years in my life where I felt like I need 
a pint of Ben and Jerry's, if I don't get it, I'm going to die. And I would like drown myself in the ice cream, right? Or drink a bottle of wine on my own or do something like get lost in that unconscious place where I'm just eating or drinking my feelings versus feeling them. Now, and you guys know I like my wine, I like my ice cream, like I, I'm, I'm a very normal human being. But when I get that feeling of I need it, you know, I know now, I'm, I'm, I've matured enough inside of myself that I know now, that's actually not what I need. <laughs> you know, I never really need a glass of wine. I don't need a pint of ice cream. What I need is a hug. What I need is to sit in silence with my tea. What I need is to go for a run. What I need is to talk about my feelings. What I need is to write some shit down. What I need is an extra session with my therapist. Like those things are actual needs. The wine and the ice cream, that's not a core need as a human being that I have. That's something that either I enjoy socially or with friends or because it adds some pleasure to my day and it's joyful, right? But in those hard, hard, hard moments when I get that instinct of like, oh my God, I just need to, to, to disappear into something, right? I'm really thankful to say that that's when I'm able to say, okay, no, right? And it's hard. I, if I didn't have all the other things, right? If I didn't have the other resources, if I didn't have the therapist and all that other, other stuff, it would feel like the way it used to when I was a teenager and in my early 20s too, it would feel like wine and ice cream, that's my only option, right? It's like, that's what I need to feel better. I've had a really long, hard day. I had a hard week. I had a hard month, hard life. I need those things to function, right? Where now it's like, I can, I'm so thankful. I can differentiate between and yeah, doesn't mean that, I, uh, that I'm a, a perfect person, right? That I don't sometimes have wine when I'm having a, a bad feeling or had a bad day. But I can feel the difference in two weeks of overwhelming, like I'm in a hole. That was the feeling. This anxiety these past two weeks are like, I have been in a hole of anxiety. If I was in a hole with Ben and Jerry's <laughs> or in a hole with wine, or say drugs, that was my, my thing of choice, or cigarettes, or something else that isn't serving me, right? I don't know if I would have gotten out of that hole in a good, in a good state, right? So all the things that you do on a regular basis when you're not in the hole, right? The things that you do in your mundane, regular life, the things that you do that sometimes feel like a little tedious, maybe, or like you need to be really disciplined for them to work, or like it's hard to puzzle it together to give yourself the time to do them. And I'm talking the meditation and the yoga and the running and the dancing and the tea and the journaling and the therapy and all the shit that you do to take care of yourself, right? Stick with it. Stick with it. Stick with it. Stick with it. Don't let it be this thing that you only reach for when things are going bad because it's way harder to reach a level of depth in them if we're only reaching for them when things are hard. And it's also way harder to remind ourselves that the wine and the ice cream isn't the solution, but actually the yoga and the therapy, that's where it's at. It's way harder to remind ourselves of that if we're only scratching at the surface of the yoga and the therapy. Because it's the yoga and it's the practice and it's the work that puts us right in the place of truth of what do I actually need and how can I recognize my needs as real needs versus coping mechanisms right? Or band-aids that I use that actually harm me more in the long run, right? So it's not the thing in itself that's bad, at least for me. It's not the ice cream is not bad on its own. Like I love a good, good bowl of ice cream, like on a summer day or watching movies with my husband. Like there's, that's not the bad thing. The bad thing is when I want to disappear in the bowl, 
right? Or the bad thing is when I take the pint into my hole and I want to sit at the bottom of my hole of anxiety and drowning myself in food and drink, like that's bad. Makes it harder to get out of that hole. Makes it harder for me to feel my feelings. And that's something I feel like we all really know to be true by now. The way out isn't around, but it's through. So when you're in that really hard feeling, the way out of that feeling isn't through avoiding the feeling. It isn't by drinking enough wine so you don't have to feel the thing anymore or eating enough ice cream so that you forget about the feeling that you had or that you distract yourself enough from feeling it and then it will go away, right? We know that that's not how it works. We know that drink enough wine or eat enough ice cream and that feeling will come back tenfold next time around or it will come back right away. You know, the moment you're, the moment you're full, the moment you're sober, the moment you wake up the next day feeling like shit, like that feeling is right, comes right back. So the way out isn't around, isn't in the escape, isn't in the numbing of the thing. The way out is through. The way out is through feeling the feeling. Sometimes, and this is really important that we acknowledge, sometimes the feeling is so hard to feel right? It causes us so much discomfort and pain that we can't feel it all right away. Can you, can you hold that for a moment? That sometimes the hard feeling that we're sitting with is too hard. That's the truth. Sometimes the anxiety, it's too big. It's too much. The hole is too deep, right? It feels like you can't sit here and simmer in this pain and this grief and this betrayal and this jealousy and the sadness and the frustration and the despair it's too much it's like we're gonna drown in it so what's the solution we skip it then no we feel it little bits at a time and maybe the reason you're feeling this anxious thing or this hard feeling for a long time that it's not just a day or a moment and then it's gone but that it's here and it keeps returning because maybe it's a really big one and it's something that really needs time and space to process and to be fully processed and felt. And I love this approach, or at least it really helps me. So it's not like, oh, I wake up another day and anxiety's still here, like another day and I'm failing <laughs> in, in all of life. Like anxiety is, is me failing at feeling good, right? I've failed. Nothing I'm doing is working. None of my resources are helping. None of my therapies helping. Everything is bad. I failed again. But it's like, oh, anxiety is here again. I guess this was a big feeling to feel. And I'm doing it in little pieces. I'm doing it through titration, one drop at a time. So it's like I can step into the feeling and be with the feeling and feel the feeling until I feel like it's, it's enough. Overwhelmed. I'm done. Okay, let's go do something else right? Let's watch a show on Netflix. Let's go for a run. Let's talk to a friend. Do something else, right? Resume your daily life. Take care of your kids. Go to work. And then the feeling shows up again because usually the feeling will show up when we have space to feel it. So it shows up in that quiet place. Shows up on your way to work. For me, it showed up today doing dishes after making pancakes for my family. Like all of a sudden anxiety shows up and it's not like, oh, I failed at feeling good. Anxiety's still here. Like, no, Okay, anxiety's showing up because it's a feeling I'm still feeling, right? It's something still here. So instead of having to run from it or even, and this is what's different now this week versus last week. Last week was like the feeling was so overwhelming. I, it was very, very hard for me to stay. I couldn't stay with it. Couldn't resume 
my daily life, right? It was like anxiety was this heavy blanket covering every aspect of my life that I couldn't just get through, couldn't get out from underneath it. So I had to really force the yoga and the going for a run and the talking to my therapist. Like I had to make sure I do all those things just to feel like I was still afloat. Whereas this week, everything is a little bit lighter. So I can be there doing the dishes and I realize, wait, huh? Oh, wait, anxiety's here again. Huh? Okay. Well, I can breathe here and I can do the dishes and I can be anxious. Like I can actually, it was bearable for me to be anxious and continue doing dishes. Right? So that's the difference. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm going through my day and anxiety's there and I'm checking in and and then I'm playing with Leia and then Dennis gave me a big hug and then I took Ringo for a walk and then all of a sudden I realized, wait, something's different now. What is that? And it's like, I love how it's so different when anxiety arrives or when the hard feeling arrives and we get a wave of something really hard. We can almost always, if we're present, we can catch it. We can realize, oh my God, I feel really sad right now. Or whoa, I got, I, I'm in a wave of anxiety again. Or oh, frustrations here. I'm at, like we can feel the difference between neutral or good or whatever it was before to like the feeling coming. But when the feeling leaves and all of a sudden we feel peace again or we feel just something neutral again or we feel calm, then it's like we need, we need an extra moment. You know, it's, it's hard to be present with the feeling as it's on its way out. And I think that's a really important thing to do if you have that practice of checking in with the body, that you don't just stay present when the feeling arrives and name the feeling to tame the feeling and do that moment of checking in, right? But that you also do that on the way out, that you honor the moment anxiety leaves, that you honor the moment calm or peace or something else returns, right? So that we also, it's like we we set a little we hammer a little milestone into the road, into the path of emotions of, okay, I'm, I'm peaceful now, right? So we also hold the peace. We also recognize the peace. We also give ourselves space and feel, to feel and process the peace because it's so easy to get stuck only focusing on the hard feelings. And of course, that is because the hard feelings are so hard, right? They make life hard. But it's so important to also pause and acknowledge the gratitude, to pause and acknowledge the blessings and the beauty and the love and the moments of self-care that you have sprinkled in throughout your day. That's a, a really big thing to remember and something that's been really helpful for me in these past couple of weeks that every single time I check in with myself, even if it's a hard check-in, I mean, if the check-in is like, how am I feeling? Oh, I still feel like shit. Because <laughs> that's, been, that's been a big theme the past couple of weeks. How am I feeling? I feel like shit. Everything is ass. Everything is horrible. <laughs> but me taking the time to do the check-in, that's self-love me taking the time to be present with myself, to listen to my body, to feel my feelings, to be with my heart. That's self-love. Self-love isn't just the things that bring us to that feeling of ecstasy and joy and peace. Like self-love is being with ourselves throughout the thick and thin of it, in the hard moments and in the good moments. Self-love is the practice of listening, the practice of checking in with ourselves. That's the self-love. And the fact that I'm able to do that and I'm able to continue doing that even in the worst wave of anxiety of my life, 
That means I have a massive practice of self-care. That actually there's a huge amount of compassion that I feel for myself. Or I wouldn't be here, right? If I wasn't compassionate toward myself, I would be in the hole with the wine and the ice cream right? That's the version of me completely hating myself or completely numb to myself where I'm so numb that I can't even feel myself at all, right? Then I go to those things and I do things that actually harm me more than they do me good. But feeling anxious or moving through grief or betrayal or anger, whatever it is that you're going through in your life right now, that's hard. And you're still listening to this fucking podcast. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me how how amazing you are at taking care of yourself, even when your brain tells you that you're not, right? So hold space and honor those moments that you have. Every moment you get on your yoga mat is a fucking success, right? Every time you close your eyes, you take a breath. Every time you want to yell at your kids, but you don't yell. <laughs> Instead, you ground into yourself, right? That's compassion. That's self-care. All the things that you do in a day. And if you really zoom out and you hold space for it, I bet you there's a lot. I bet you, you do so much to take care of yourself every day. It's funny how our minds are just really hell-bent on telling us that we're not. It's easy to get stuck in that narrative of, I don't have any time for myself. Or get stuck in that narrative of, there are things I don't like about myself, therefore I don't like myself at all right? Confusing that maybe you have a a narrative of something not being right with you. Like for me, oftentimes it's that something's not right with my body. Like my body should be different. I should be stronger or thinner or more fit. Or there's like a old, old broken record voice from when I was earlier than teenage years, I think from when I was pretty little telling me something's wrong with my body. I'm not good enough, pretty enough, whatever. And I know that 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 voice isn't real, I mean, it's, it feels very real, but I know it's, it's not in alignment with truth, right? With like objective, real truth, but it feels like that. So oftentimes when that voice gets loud and I start to have negative thoughts about my body, I get confused and I start thinking that I actually just hate all of myself, right? Versus, oh, there is a really old train of thought here that aligns with a really old, outdated belief that isn't even true about the fact that there's something not right with my body. But actually, there's so much that I do feel is right about myself. It's just that the negative narrative always takes hold over everything else. So every time you zoom out, and that narrative could be anything. It could be that you're a terrible mom, terrible parent, you're a bad friend, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not successful enough. We all have some version of that negative thing. And I think for for women, or for a lot of people, the body thing is easy to relate with because we all have we all have that. I mean, so many of us have that. The body thing is, is big and at the forefront. But don't confuse that one negative thought for everything you are. Don't let that one negative thought trick you into thinking that you think that all of you suck because I know you don't. If you felt like you suck all completely, if you didn't love yourself on some fundamental level, you wouldn't be doing the things that you do in a day to take care of you. And you're doing so much. I know that. And you know how I know that? Because I do it. I know. I do it. I do so much to take care of myself. And sometimes it feels like a struggle. It feels like I'm not getting there. It feels like I don't have the time. It feels like it's an uphill battle, but I keep trying. And I think 
the self-love is in the trying. It's in the practice of trying. It's not just getting there and then succeeding at all the things we feel like we need to do in a day to take care of ourselves and then having those practices be great, right? It's not just the 60 minutes you get on your yoga mat when you have a great yoga practice, right? It's in the struggle of getting to the mat in the first place. It's also the moments you have on the mat when you don't feel good and everything was hard and you were really distracted or you quit halfway or whatever it is in that practice that you do that sometimes is super challenging. But the whole point of it is that you keep going back. You keep trying. You return again and again. You return to yourself. So yeah, this is the this is the practice of this week. And I think we should, or if we can, it would be good if we were all more immersed in the practice of counting and holding space for and honoring all the things that we're doing that reflect that we actually love ourselves versus being totally immersed in all the things that we're failing at or all the bad and old and hard things that are lingering from our past, like all... It's so, so, so easy to get stuck in this idea that everything is bad or so much is bad or we have such a long way to go to self-love, to compassion, to healing. But look at how much you've already healed. Like, do you ever actually pause, really give yourself the space to recognize how much healing you have done already? And yeah, you might have a lot of healing left to do. And yeah, the universe will continue to give you things to heal from because that's how life works, unfortunately. And fortunately, this is what life is, right? But really recognize how much healing you've already done. How many more tools you have now compared to 10 years ago, a year ago, last week. I mean, if I really, (laughs) and maybe this is the grand epiphany of the anxiety weeks, but if I really hold the difference in what, what's going on now and what did I learn from two weeks, feeling like anxiety was suffocating me from the inside out, well, what I learned is I really do have a lot of compassion for myself. And that's something that I, I don't know if I have that as a go-to answer. You know, I think I have, it's a, I have a stronger idea ingrained in myself that I don't love myself that actually that there is something wrong with me, that I have a lot of trauma, that I have a really loud inner critic, that, you know, just generally taking care of myself is really hard. But what I learned in the past two weeks is that I I love myself a lot. Just just look at how much look at how much work I put into feeling good. Look at how much work I put into my healing practices. Look at how many times in a day I pause to check in with myself. But then when that check-in answers me and the answer is I feel terrible, I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I feel like I'm missing something, right? So, so important to really remember that it's the practice of checking in. That's the self-love, not the fact that you need to have that great loving feeling in the check-in, but the fact that you continue to check in, that you don't leave yourself. That's the thing that you don't leave yourself. And I think what healing really looks like, it's not in the all of a sudden life is great all the time, right? Or we think that when we're healed, we're going to manifest this perfect relationship and this perfect life and all this abundance and we'll never be sad again. And I don't know what healing, this idea of healing, what it looks like to you, but 
to me, I, ha- I used to have this big picture of when I've healed then, right, everything will be different in so many ways. But what if we know that we're healing or we know that we have healed when we're able to stay with ourselves more? When we reach for more of the yoga and the tea and the journaling than we do the wine and the ice cream, right? Because that's a way, a really tangible way, at least for me, that when I reach for something that makes me leave myself, right? That makes me feel further away from myself, that disconnects me more. I can feel the difference there between choosing something that actually brings me back to myself, even if at the end of both of those two things, I still feel anxiety, right? There's a difference. One of them, I stayed with myself in the anxiety. The other one, I left myself. I'm numbing the anxiety. I'm checking out. I'm going someplace else. So how able are you to stay with yourself in the day-to-day moments that life brings your way, right? When someone says something really mean, when someone leaves you, when you feel betrayed, when all of a sudden disaster strikes and everything is terrible, when anxiety shows up, like all the little things that happen in a day, in a life, do you stay or do you leave? Hmm. I think that's, that's the big inquiry for right now. Hmm. How challenging is it for me to stay with myself when the going gets tough? How challenging is it for me to stay with myself when other people need me? When other people need me in major ways? Maybe identifying what are the scenarios and situations in my life when I tend to leave myself, to numb myself or to be there for others or to check out or because I fall back in that track of doing things the way I used to in the past. And what does staying with myself actually look like, right? And it's not just I'm doing the yoga, so I'm staying with myself, right? Or I'm drinking the tea or I'm journaling, I'm going to therapy, I'm staying with myself. But it's, it's in the day-to-day mundane, like today doing the dishes after breakfast. It's like, oh, anxiety's here, who, you know, and I can sense myself spiraling into that panicky place. Can I stay with myself with the anxiety? Even then, like going for a crazy run or trying to shift and change, you know, would be leaving myself a little bit because it's hard sometimes, right? Or in that sense of someone is asking something of you and you don't really want to do it. It's not in alignment with you, but you do it anyway, right? That's leaving yourself too. So identifying these moments in your day and then figuring out how can you get closer and closer and closer to staying with yourself all throughout as much as possible. And probably you're already doing these things in your life because you have done so much healing work, right? You're staying with yourself by making the choices that you're making in a day right now. And the fact that you do that means that you have a shit ton of compassion for yourself already, or you wouldn't be here doing this, listening to this show. I promise you that. I promise you that. So that narrative that we don't love ourselves, that we're not good enough, that we don't take good enough care of ourselves, we can change that narrative. And maybe this is us in the practice of changing that narrative. And I know that part of this healing journey also is looking for that sense of community in talking to and listening to and being seen and heard and listened to by people who feel the same way, 
right, who are on that same journey. It's way easier to continue showing up for ourselves, to continue choosing ourselves when we have people in our lives who do the same thing for them. And this is that big like ding, ding, ding epiphany that I continue to have about motherhood. It's not an epiphany that stays. I have to relearn this all the time. But when I sacrifice myself for my child, I'm teaching her to sacrifice herself for other people. And that's so hard for me to really understand. But every time I choose her needs way above my own, like I really sacrifice myself. I don't do the thing I need. I don't take care of myself. Like I, I completely exhaust and deplete myself for behalf, on behalf of my family. And I think that doing that is like a noble, great, good thing to do because a mother is supposed to do that. Every time I do that, I'm showing her how to sacrifice, how to self-sacrifice. I'm not showing her how to practice self-care. I'm not showing her how to choose herself. I'm modeling for her how to leave yourself on behalf of other people's needs. And I can do that every day. I can show her that here is how you are a woman. Here is how you are a wife. Here is how you are a mother. You leave yourself when other people need you. And you focus more on other people's needs than you do yourself. Every time I do that, I'm showing her that that's what it's like to be a human being. And every time I choose myself, even though I have that old brain telling me that that's selfish and I should always do everything for her and her needs come first and I shouldn't go to yoga, I shouldn't ask for time by myself, I should, I should, I should. You know, I have that old narrative, so many of us do. That's not it at all. Every time I step on my mat and I tell her, I need space now. Mama needs some space. You need to go be with Papa. And she might cry. She might be sad, but I want to be with you. And I stand firm in that boundary that I set between me and my daughter that I need space. Even though it might be a hard moment because she wants to be with me and I might feel ambivalent about that, I am modeling self-care for her. And that's what I want to model for her every day. I want to teach her through my behavior how to choose herself. And the only way to do that is for me to choose myself too, right? And this is such a big lesson to learn because I forget this and then I relearn it and then I forget it again and then I relearn it again. It's like we need to surround ourselves with people who have those practices that we want to model for ourselves and for our kids. If we have them around us, if we have that community, it's so much easier. It really is. It really, really, really is. And I have friends, you know, who can tell me, hey, you know, this is not personal, but I don't have any space for you right now. I need, I need to be by myself. And it's like, fuck yes. There's not a bone in my body that feels slighted or disappointed or why can't you listen to me? And we were supposed to hang out. It's like, wow, thank God I have friends who can state their needs to me because that means when I feel that way and I don't want to help them out or I don't have space to listen to them because I'm not in a place where I can actually do that and stay with myself at the same time, I can say that. And I know that's going to be received and listened to without judgment, without feeling like it's personal or we have a problem or it's a fight. It's like, Oh, imagine if we had only those kinds of people in our lives, how much easier it would be to set boundaries and to practice self-care in a real tangible way every day. So that longing for community that, that I started to show with, it's real. It's real. And I don't know, you know, we're all going to have different ways of making our way there. But I am sensing something different coming through. I don't know exactly what that is. I'm sensing just a different kind of creation. And maybe this is part of, you know, 
personally me, I don't know where we're going to live. I don't know what life is going to be like. I know there's a lot of things about traditional life and school system and all this stuff that comes along with this version of society that I don't roll with anymore. I am not happy with anymore. I would love to create a different kind of community and do things in a way that really is in alignment with the kind of future I want to see for my kids. And I know there's people out there who feel the same. I don't know, you guys, are we just bailing on society and starting like a like a commune somewhere in the woods? What do you think? Should we start our own little society somewhere? <laughs> just feel our feelings and set boundaries and practice yoga and drink tea and be in nature and create an amazing new version of school for our kids and eat organic foods and grow shit all day. What do you think? Are you in? I feel like you're in. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm also really serious because this is where my brain is at right now and all the time. So I'm going to let that one keep continue simmering a little bit. I'm going to keep that one cooking for a while. and We'll see where we end up. But reminder for the week is to continue taking care of yourself, to remember how much work you already put in to taking care of yourself and to stay with yourself no matter what. Stay with yourself in the anxiety. If you're in the hole right now, stay with yourself. If you're in the joy, stay with yourself. Wherever you are, be there. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I love you. I love you. I hope you feel loved. If you want to wrap your arms around yourself one more time and just stay in this embrace between you and you, between me and you, between us and all of us, and linger there for as long as you like. You are so held. And you can hold yourself. What a blessing that is. I'll be back next week. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you love this show, make sure you give it a five-star review. Follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find them everywhere for free, like on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. And of course, a big thank you to my sponsors. Please make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week. <laughs>